Shalom. We are so glad you're joining us on this episode of Our Hope. We created this podcast as a resource for followers of Yeshua, where they can learn more about Israel, the Bible, and the Jewish community. Together, we discuss Messianic apologetics, dive into Scripture, and hear stories from Jewish believers in Jesus. If you've enjoyed our podcast series, please consider supporting us at ourhopepodcast.com support. You could also help us by sharing this podcast on social media, talking about it with your friends and family, or by writing a review on Apple Podcasts. We are so grateful for you, and we hope this episode of Our Hope is both enlightening and encouraging. Welcome to Our Hope, a production of Chosen People Ministries. Here is your host, Dr. Mitch Glazer. Shalom, this is Mitch Glazer, president of Chosen People Ministries. Welcome to the podcast, and please welcome Emily, who is from the UK and is going to be uh, our person that we're going to interview today. Hi, Emily. Hi. Shalom. Shalom. Shabbat shalom. All right. We are in Israel, in Jerusalem, actually. And Emily is part of a, a group of uh, young adults that is seeing the land and serving the Lord. Are you having a good time? Yeah, having a great time. I love being in Jerusalem, love being in Israel. It's really warm. And I love that because London is actually cold and raining right now. Oh, I so see. I see. Great. So you come here for <laughs> the weather. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, one of the reasons. How's the hummus though? Not bad? Not bad Not at bad. all. And Okay, great. And, and, the, uh, and the shakshuka and so, a lot of other foods. Yeah, well, this is... Eating a lot always mo- in most, Israel. Most people don't think of Israel as a place to eat, but the food is great. The food is amazing. So, yes. Well, Emily... Uh, tell us a little bit about your upbringing and your background, and I'm trying to uh, I'm trying to find out uh, how how you were raised and how that shaped your understanding of of Jewish people and mm. of even of the nation of Israel. And then we're going to take take a journey and uh, hear how you feel about things today. But let's start with the way you were raised. Mm. I was raised in London um, in a single parent home. My dad is American and he is Jewish, secular Jew. His dad is a was a Holocaust survivor from Germany. Wow. And um, uh, my mom left to come to London with me when I was about two years old. Mm. So I didn't grow up around my Jewish dad. I grew up with my mom who's not Jewish um, and not religious. Um, and I really didn't really have any background, religious background in general. I I always knew I was Jewish or I had a Jewish um, father and knew the history a little bit about my grandfather. And I kind of always really was labeled a bit as a Jew in school sometimes, even though I never really put that on myself. Mm. Um, And I um, had a, well, have a Christian grandparent and um, she really helped raise me and really told me about Jesus from a very young age and always used to pray for me every single day and um, so during university I just really became I I was quite a wild rebellious child anyway 
But at university, it became a lot more intense. And I just really just partied, took lots of drugs, did lots, I just did everything that really I could do to just have the best time in life, what I thought was the best time in life. It was very rewarding and fulfilling <laughs> that lifestyle, wasn't it? No. No, not really. <laughs> and um, eventually it caught up to me. And um, I uh, actually, at the third year of university, my final, final year, I wrote my um, university final year paper dissertation, or in America, I think you say thesis, on the Israel-Palestine conflict. Uh -huh. And I wrote it really with the agenda of having quite a pro uh, Palestine anti-Israel perspective. So that's very interesting. Yeah. Did um, that cause you internal conflict because of your being Jewish? Well, I actually be was quite anti my Jewish side as well. So, so this was it part wasn't of your really Jewish rebellion? <laughs> my but Jewish rebellion. And um, at the time I was actually dating a um, Arab um, guy and all of his friends uh, used to tell me that I was like the cool Jew who hated Israel. So I actually thought I got a lot more credit so from that, that hating. Was, that, was a, that was a status position. <laughs> yeah. So um, and now, can I just ask yeah. you, did you have... Um, had you been to Israel yet? I, I hadn't been to Israel, no. Nope. Okay. I wasn't a believer. I hadn't been to Israel. Okay. And I'd been to um, Ibiza and Thailand and all the you know fun party places in the world, but no, nope, Israel wasn't really on the agenda of okay. going. I was always very interested in the Middle East. I had lots of Middle Eastern friends. At one, I was very interested in Arabic culture um, growing up in London. Um, lots of Arabic friends. So I really, really like drew, I was really drawn to that kind of part of the world, but never really thought about going to Israel. So then um, just to fast forward a little bit. So then you became a believer in Yeshua and Jesus. Mm -hmm. And how did that impact your Jewish identity, your view of Israeli politics mm. and all that? Yeah, I, um, I, I Googled the nearest church and... Um, I put on my best funeral outfit, thinking that's what we wear to church. And, and to my surprise... I no, assume that's black. Black dress, okay. black shoes. <laughs> and um, to my surprise, everyone was wearing uh, not-so-quite funeral outfits and um, had such a powerful encounter with Jesus. And um, I would call up my grandmother, who had been praying for me since... I was born and she actually had a dream that I had been plucked out of the fire at the same time I like prayed the prayer and gave my life to Jesus. Mm. So she already knew that I had done that before, um, before I told her. However, she was really upset because every time the topic of Israel came up, I would be very hostile and ah, very just like... The plot thickens a little bit. So yeah. your godly Gentile Christian grandmother was sympathetic towards Israel. I think I actually made her cry once because I was arguing about her with that topic and she just could not understand that I had Jewish heritage and I've now had this new faith in Jesus, yet I was like very anti um, my own people, wow. Israel. So because the prayers of a grandmother are very powerful, she got on her knees again and started praying. And then six months later, I got invited to a a free trip to Israel with um, about 30 other young Jewish um, adults. And because I had already known a lot of people who were either done the trip or were going on the, this trip, I just thought, okay, might as well go on it. And I actually hated my job at the time. So I was like, I could even quit my job and stay out there a little longer. And so I did. 
And that really completely changed my life. Um, um, you may or may not want to share who sponsored that, and that's fine. But what was their perspective on Israel, particularly in light of the Palestinian-Israeli conflict? Yeah, so I had assumed it was going to be quite a, um, a gender-driven pro-Israel trip because it was um, funded and some of the people behind it. But what, to my surprise, we, when we got there, it was very open and we could definitely have open dialogue about what each other thought about the situation and we even heard from an Arab Israeli who you know actually was sharing his honest opinion of how it is living in Israel which really kind of like blew my mind and I what really struck me the most actually was being in on this trip with 30 other Jewish people who I'd never met before who don't share the same faith that I just kind of already encountered mm. yeah I felt like I was cut from the same cloth from them and mm. we just bonded so deeply and I knew there was something about that that was not just because not just because I don't know everyone's fun and nice it was more it was it was deeper than that so was was this a Jewish sponsored trip it was a Jewish sponsored trip and then uh, did you go to any Palestinian homes or did you go into any Palestinian areas we didn't because um we weren't allowed by the government because it's dangerous. I see. But we met with Arab Israelis and they weren't necessarily, they were they were sharing openly the struggles and the benefits of living in Israel, which I really, that really affected me. However, I stayed on for six, for two months after that um, in Israel. And I stayed, I was here for the three, May, three autumn feasts, Sukkot, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. And during that time, I really had a full perspective of Israel in, t in, in ways where I had, I spent Rosh Hashanah with one of the soldiers in an mm. Orthodox family home. And then I spent Sukkot with um, Christians who love Israel and um, some Messianics, which I'd never really encountered before. And then I started the fast with a Palestinian Muslim. There you go. Which was, and broke it at the Western Wall with all, all, all of the Jewish people. So, um, and during that time, I also got to go to the West Bank and hear from different perspectives and hear from um, different stories, personal stories, and really get to have a much more accurate perspective of what was going on. So did you feel your anti-Israel views starting to shift yes um and not just because of the political side of things mm -hmm. i also um i also just decided i wanted to open up my bible again and see what was written about israel there because i started to read some books and talk to people um and i wanted to know more being a new christian i'd only well new jewish believer or new believer in jesus i'd only read my Bible, skimmed through it once. And I didn't really understand much of the prophecies in the Old Testament. I didn't really understand too much really about mm. the Tanakh as a whole. And so I um, decided to just read them over again. And so um, actually it was, it was the prophecies in Ezekiel talking about the Jewish people returning to their land in their blindness and then God pouring out his spirit on them. And so I, it just was a kind of a very, um, a, a revelation moment where I kind of instantly knew that this was happening right here and now. And this is, and that I, and so many other believers around the world get to play a part in it. 
Um, so, of course, you're referring to Ezekiel 36 and then 36 37. 36 and 37, Ezekiel 11 as well. Right. And um, So did you find then as a, as a young believer that Scripture was beginning to inform your position, whereas before your position was informed by politics, mm. social justice issues, and so on? I think, yeah, exactly. And um, actually just being less ignorant of the, <laughs> the situation i think when you're seeing things through i think sometimes you just don't want to know the truth so mm. i think at university i wanted to be anti-israel because it was i guess the cool thing to do even from a from my university teachers they definitely came from more of a left-wing um anti-israel perspective so it was just actually the easier thing to do and so the way that i read books and the way that i um, read even newspaper articles, um, I I read it through the lens of wanting to not actually even see the other perspective or see right. the other side of things. Whereas now um, being in the land and meeting people and and understanding that actually, okay, God is really doing something here. And the way that I viewed Israel, Israel is completely different from what I'm experiencing in the reality must mean that I need to go back again and read these things and actually see what the true perspective is or more of an accurate perspective is. What especially in the Israeli everyday culture did you discover that was counter to what you believed before? Yes. Um, and I also met Israelis that had lots of different views. It wasn't just, you know, Israelis hate Arabs, Palestinians, and Palestinians hate Arabs, and that that just isn't true. And um, even from a non-biblical perspective, I could see Israel really trying to do so many things to help their Arab neighbors that doesn't that doesn't really get told in the news. I went to a retreat in a place called Neve Shalom, which means Oasis of Peace, which is a neighborhood where Arabs and Jews live completely side by, by side by side and share the same resources and. And that stuff just doesn't get told. <laughs> now, for a moment, thank you. For a moment, let's bring this home. And when I say home, let's bring it back to uh, England for mm -hmm. a moment. Because a lot of us have been uh, reading the newspapers and watching the news. And we see that anti-Semitism is on the rise uh, in many different countries, not just throughout Europe, but in the United States, obviously, too, with so many synagogue shootings and so on. And... Um, what do you feel um, in a complex place like England right now and a complex, complicated city like London mm. uh, that's so diverse and so many different views, especially, you know, over Brexit and uh, over immigration mm. issues and so on. And somewhere in this whole mix, you know, there there is anti-Semitism sort of bubbling above the surface in England as well. And it, it appears to some of us who don't live there, that that some of the anti-Semitism is really anti-Israelism mm. that is emerging as anti-Semitism. And um, what is it that some of these folks in England do not know about the situation in Israel, that if they knew, they wouldn't be so against Israel? Mm. I think that, again, it is a lot of ignorance, both in the church and out the church. Most people who I have, who I confront and I talk to at these anti-Israel rallies or, mm. um, 
or even in Speaker's Corner, there's always someone there speaking against Israel. I've never, ever, ever met someone who's actually been to Israel and actually like had a, I mean, I'm sure there are a lot of people who have been and maybe have these, but the ones that I have met haven't been and they don't want to go, uh, but they still want to have this very strong opinion um, against Israel. I think, I think that um, within the church um, particularly, and I'm, um, you know, been part of, I, I used, to, I was part of a church, working for, as for a church for a long time. I think it just has its roots way far back before, uh, like hundreds and hundreds of years ago, Constantine was, um, became gov, became, came into, became, became emperor in Rome. And it really was Constantine who split the Jewish, um, the, the Jewish uh, the, the Christian Jews from the church and changed all the times. And I just think that it's just seeped into our theology. Um, replacement theology is just really ingrained in, in the church of England in in the, in, in just the church in the UK in general, but without even knowing, like without most of my Christian friends don't even know really that it's there. Like it's kind of in there without, but without. It's just, they just get it by osmosis. Yeah, by osmos osmosis. And I think that's, that's one aspect of things. And, um, in, we've all heard on the news about the Labour Party and the anti-Semitism within the Labour Party. And yes. it's definitely, definitely disguised. Um, it, it's, it's it, the anti-Semitism is really an anti-Israel narrative that's disguised as anti-Semitism. But I think it's being exposed because of all the Jewish people who have left the Labour Party, even though Jewish people helped form the Labour Party. Right. So there's people who have been part of Labour for like 20, 30 years who have decided to leave, which has been really difficult for them. It's been a really tough process for them. And I think that the British population are seeing that. Like they're not going to just leave a la the Labour Party for, a, a, you know, something that's not true. So they're... So for some folks, their, their social and political agenda is still probably oriented towards the Labour Party, mm. but they're just becoming uh, so heartbroken and disappointed by the growing position within the Labour Party that seems to be anti-Israelism mm. that a lot of people are accusing or coining it as anti-Semitism, but you view it as just that anti-Israel narrative that's just very mm. per pervasive mm. in England. Right now. And I think that's why there's so much work to do and it's being done, which is amazing, between Christians and Jews. I just think that because of, you know, in America, it's great because there's so many Jewish people in America. So most Christians have met a Jewish person, whereas in the UK, it's not really the same. There's not really that touch point um, to know more about Jewish people people that's why it's really great for messianics to be within the church i know that a lot of my friends um in my christian friends know more about being jewish because they know me and it's it's helping them to understand more of the jewish culture and to, then to like love jewish people so, love it so without generalizing and stereotyping which is so easy to do and and actually helpful to some of us who are not from england in general, what what is the bent of not just millennials, but let's just say younger generation evangelicals? Uh, are they just uh, tabla rasa? Are they just, you know, nothing there? Or are they sort of having a bent 
against Israel, for Israel, and how do they feel about uh, anti-Semitism? Surely the young adults are very aware of what mm. people are saying, and where, where, where do the Christian young people stand on all this? Mm. Um, I think majority of Christians I know would definitely um, not stand for anti-Semitism. Um, in terms of taking a stance on Israel, as a as a as being a, a country that has the right to exist, or um, God fair. being involved in the establishment of Israel, or being fair and not a monster, or being fair or, or not a monster. Right? I think at the moment there is still a um, kind of a shyness to actually make a point about it because of the political correctness and not wanting to um, be too extreme one way or the other. However, I think um, I think as I think tourism and, and people people's uh, I know because I take trips of young people to Israel and people are really, really, really wanting to come more to Israel than I've ever seen before. So I think there is a hunger to want to know more, um, but they they're scared of stepping over the line of being too extreme one way or the other way, which I think is quite good actually um so i think that there, there is a hunger at the moment of wanting to know more they're just they're just, it's just taking it's taking a little while <laughs> well there's a, there's a uh, a long history of christian zionism in england yeah and of course the balfour declaration and which we just celebrated the uh what was it the 70th birthday or 100th. Some, 100th birthday so off a few years and uh, I mean it was a big celebration a lot of evangelicals yeah. and um, and so it, it's it's not that England has historically been against Israel I, I know there was some tough times um, after uh, the uh, basically after the Turks left, you mm. know, and uh, and then, of course, with the establishment of the state of Israel, there was a huge tension and really it was a small guerrilla war between England and the Jewish people in Israel at that time. And uh, we all know about the bombing of the King David Hotel mm. and, and Menachem Begin. And, you know, Menachem Begin was never allowed in the UK for many, many years because of his his involvement with the King David uh, bombing as when he was part of the Irgun. And so there are a lot of, that's what I say, it's very complex. Mm. Um, but there has been a long tradition of Christian Zionism. Mm. Historically, that's been very influential, actually, in the formation of the Definitely. land of Israel. And uh, so here's my question. How do, uh, number one, do young adults, Christian young adults, know about this long history of Christian Zionism in, in the UK. And if they do know something about it, how do they feel about it? Mm. Um, I think there is a definitely a remnant <laughs> of young adults, young adult Christians who, you know, God has really laid this on their heart and they really do know about it. And I know we had a group going on that met monthly that would pray for each other and help each other in, in ways of um, outreaching to our to other Christians about this. Um, but in in the mass young Christian, yeah, young Christians on mass, I don't think that there really is a knowledge about this stuff. So that would be one thing to maybe try and educate some yeah. of the young people about the rich history and fruitful history 
of very established, well-respected uh, evangelical Christians in England who supported Israel well before Israel became a state. Well, I think that is the problem is that so many, so many of the older generation Christians have a um, knowledge about this because they also not just not just because they've researched, but they've also lived through some of the wars right. that Israel has um, been in, so particularly the Six Day War. Like they, they they know about it. They've they've seen Israel as the underdog and now as it is currently. And I don't think that many of the young Christian adults have seen understand Israel's like how they how it was formed what the history is the six-day war how Jerusalem really was a miracle of them even being able to go into Jerusalem and capture it and I think that is really what needs to be talked about more is the history of the establishment of Israel because I think literally people just think that um they just went in there kicked all the Palestinians out. I've heard that so many times right. and that, that was it. But there's obviously, that's not true at all. The ogres. <laughs> uh, so uh, dream a little with me for a moment. If if you had complete control of everything in your life and and uh, and I, I'm not saying if you were the prime minister of, of England right now, that's a pretty difficult job to hold on to, you know, and uh, or, or or the queen. But if, 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 if you could do anything you want in regards to the UK in building relationships between the UK and Israel and, and helping to reshape the mindset of this next generation of Christians that are going to be so influential mm. in the future and really shape the, mm. co the country's attitude in many ways towards, mm. towards Israel. Uh, what would you, what would you do? Where would you even start? Mm. I have thought about this question lots of times, not necessarily me being queen, but, <laughs> but well, you can of how lower to... down, you could be prime minister. <laughs> I think there are a couple of different ways. Um, one of them is deaf is getting people here, getting young adults here. I really think that, um, there's so many programs in place for Jewish people to get to Israel, either for a very cheap price or um, making it very affordable, attractive and fun and adventurous as mm. well as educational. So I think that is like number one. And that's what I am personally trying to be able to do as well as bring more young adults here because we live in it. Uh, the millennial kind of culture is very, we need to experience it to believe it. And mm. so um, it's so being in the land it brings what you've read or, or the research that people have done to life and they can actually like taste and see right. what's happening so that's number one but number two is using podcasts like we're doing today media film um social um to really engage with the next generation but what i've seen is in the uk is um kind of people who don't really know how to use these technologies well, but they still want to try, so they're going for it. But because it's not done in a way that's necessarily um, attractive or aesthetically pleasing to young people, Seems it's eccentric. kind of missing the the target audience there. Um, and so if we can get young people to reach young people, then <laughs> I think that's the answer. Um, in every sing single situation, even in evangelism, it's like we need to... I really want to see the next generation being raised up, even if it's just a couple, to really like actually use these these technologies that we have to to really um, educate and to bring light to what's happening. 
let me just take it one step further and, and take it away from politics for a moment. Um, you serve uh, in ministry among the Jewish people in the UK. What, what's it going to take for next generation evangelicals in the UK to be willing to share the gospel with their Jewish friends, be equipped to share the gospel with their Jewish friends, to not be embarrassed to share the gospel with their Jewish friends? And what, what, what's it going to take? I mean, what, mm. what, what do you see? Is it a, are you hopeful? Yeah, well, I always, well, I really think, and it's one of my life verses, um, that Romans 11 really is the key because as the ignorance of the Gentiles um, comes, starts, starts, as the veil of the Gentiles starts coming down, the veil of the Jewish people starts coming down. So as Christians understand more of the Jewish heritage of their faith and really start um start really understanding about more about the Jewish people, they will be better equipped of sharing um, about the Jewish Messiah and the prophecies of the Old Testament in a way that actually is not, um, that is attractive to a Jewish person and that is intriguing and that is actually shocking in a way because Jewish people just think that Christianity is a completely different religion and now, I know from my Jewish friends when I've talked about um, Jesus' disciples being Jewish and even Jesus himself being Jewish, it's been a real, like, shock for right. them. And really, the I think there is actually a real openness and um, longing right now, I see, within my Christian friend, friendship group to know more about the Shabbat, knowing more about the Sabbath, knowing more about the feasts, but maybe not necessarily in a... Um, in, in a legalistic way or anything like that, but just seeing because Jesus did all of these things, they really want to know more about um, about them because they want to live more of a Jesus-centered lifestyle. And so that means they need a little bit of Jewishness. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> uh, one, one last uh, question, and uh, just it's just a perception question. And uh, uh, do you think that young adults in general in the UK really are against Israel? Is, is I don't think so. I think there's a there's, there's probably a handful. There's maybe more than a handful, but there are people, of course, that are going to be um, quite outspoken about um, Israel and really, you know, attend pro-Palestinian events and, and really call for the state of Israel to be boycotted but i do think that it, mostly people are just kind of more ignorant about they it they don't know yeah yeah okay well that that's that's hopeful because we can always try and educate people in all the ways that you suggested and that would be that would be great and that's something that uh, you really want to do with your life then i i would imagine yeah well it's it's blessed me me coming to israel and understanding about the heritage of of my faith and seeing the truth has brought so much life to my faith, has brought so much um, purpose to uh, my life. And like, it's just deepened, it just helps deepen and strengthen my faith. And I understand God's faithfulness, faithfulness in ways that I didn't understand before now that I understand his heart for Israel. Well, that's a, that's a great way to end the podcast, <laughs> Emily. Thank you so much for pointing us to the Lord and to the word of God and to his plan for Israel and the Jewish people. And I guess when it comes right down to it, as evangelicals, young or old, we need to just 
get on with the program. If God has the program, we need to figure it out and join it, right? Amen. Okay, thank you so much. <laughs> God bless you and shalom. Thanks for listening to Our Hope. If you like our show and want to know more, check out ourhopepodcast.com or chosenpeople.com. See you next time.